Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. And we're gonna pick up with part two of our, the original 12-step plan. Um, and we love the, the different ministries and organizations that have 12-step plans, so this is not against them at all. All of them have a place in there that talk about a higher power, and that higher power is God. It is through the love and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that we experience the fullness of life. But long before any of that happened, there was uh, a man who was, the Bible tells us he was a man after God's own heart. King David, and God picked him to be the king over his own people because he was somebody who lived his life to honor God. He was somebody who lived his life to pursue God, and because he did, because he did, he experienced the good things that God had for him. And for some of us today, this might just be like such a necessary reminder. If you're watching online today, please lean into the word. If you missed last week, um, it is available. In fact, I would recommend the last three Sundays. We're kind of walking through a bit of a process here. Um, Pastor George taught on uh, when Jacob was, you know, in the place that he named Bethel, that he changed the, the, the name of the place. But he said, surely God was in this place and I didn't know it. And sometimes we can be going through things in life and, and we're just like, God, where are you? And we need to pause and know that he's in it. And even in this season that we're in right now, I tell you what, these last couple of weeks as we've gone through, you know, the third wave of COVID and things have gone crazy in, the, in our nation and in our province, um, right down to the, the most recent, um, this revelation of the residential school that is just horrifying. Do you know that that's an answer to prayer? Not that that happened, but the revelation of it. We have been praying as a church. We've been praying those prayer targets. If you've been praying them, if you haven't, there's some, I think, in the foyer you can grab on the way out. But we've been praying for the healing of the land. Nothing is healed without something being first revealed so that it can be healed. There's stuff that cannot be buried. The land cries out. Isaiah tells us that the land will not allow things to stay hidden. And so there has been a brokenness within our nation that has gone on and on and on. And so many times people are like, why can't folks just move forward? Why can't we just move forward? Because there is pain that needs to be exposed. And so as it's been exposed, this gives us an opportunity to pray and to minister and to walk in just crazy love. This is the time for us as the body of Christ to recognize that those things that happened, even though there's different um, historical track records of church-run schools, that's not Jesus. Just we need to be really clear about that. That is not Jesus. That is not how the church operates. That is not the body of Christ in action in any fashion. What we are called to do, though, is be ministers of reconciliation. And so right now, we get an opportunity there are systems that are broken all over the place. So I, I was thinking this morning, Care, we're just super blessed that you were here all this past year. But this past year was a disappointment for you. You were supposed to be in Thailand, right? It was supposed to be a year of Bible school, but we got to keep her here and, uh, and be blessed by her leading worship and being part of our, our family on site here. And so a lot of people had things this year that went on pause. We celebrated the other night because Wayne did his first live job in 13 months. Like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, God, that there's actually things beginning to open and, and uh, praise the Lord for his faithfulness. Month by month by month, we're like, God, are we still here? Are we still here? Are we still moving? Is there still, you know, what, what's, what's gonna happen? God has been faithful. Months after month after month, week after week after week, day after day after day, he's been faithful. And he's taught us to lean into him. He's taught us to rest upon him. And so I just want to start um, with Isaiah 40 one more time, and then we're going to pick up with our key verses this morning, which is Psalm 73 that's been just a lifeline. It's a lifeline, and it will continue to be a lifeline. But Isaiah 40... Uh, just so that you can see it and pull it up. Right at the very end, verse 28. That's not even right. Where am I going, people? Yes, no, that is where I'm going. Okay. Whew. Different Bible. I like have different ones and they are marked differently. You know when I say like, go ahead and write in your Bible and leave notes and color. And then in my mind, I remember it's in purple in the right-hand corner. And then if I have the wrong Bible, I'm like, I can't find it. It's not even in there. Anyway, it says this. <laughs> have you not known? 
Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And this has really been the theme of what we're walking through. It's this idea of learning how to wait. And in some ways, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say, yay, I'm so delighted that we've been through this past year and it's just been fabulous. Not really. If there could be education and instruction from the Lord that could come any other way, I would have preferred it. However, there is some things that only come through the press, right? The good oil, the good wine, it only comes through the press. There's a pressure that is necessary. And the word tells us in the New Testament that there, is, there are hard things that need to happen sometimes. Pressure things that bring out the good stuff, that bring out the best, that bring out what God wants to have in us. One of those things is patience, endurance, uh, character. These things come through the press. And so this has been a year where hopefully, as we're coming out the other side of it, we're all a little bit better. We've all grown. We all look a little bit more like Jesus. But I also am super aware that there are times when we come out, and I, I think I mentioned it last week, but my picture, my mental picture personally, is like I just see a lot of people, um, like old school battlefield. You know, you come off the battlefield, and there's just, you're like, you're checking your body parts. It's like everything intact, are we still, okay, yeah, no, we're, we're, I'm good, I'm not bleeding, that's not my blood, okay, that's good, and, 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 and there's just a, there's a relief, and there's a, like, thank you, God, but there's also some battle scars, and some weariness, and some, you gotta frame what has just happened, you've gotta pl find a place for it, and so this is that time where Isaiah tells us that even yous uh, become weary. There's times that we faint, that we're weary. There's times when our, our flesh begins to fail a little bit, but the spirit man feeds on God's faithfulness. We lean into him and it begins to build us from the inside out. Something begins to change from the inside out. And so as we lean into this, we learn the value of the weight. And it's like the least favorite word for most of us. It's right up there with like, Lord, give me patience. Lord, teach me to wait. Fantastic. You know, we went, to, we were like so excited this week because it's like the patios are open. We could go out for dinner. We can have date night. And we we're like, we literally, this is how impatient we are. We went from patio to patio to patio to patio because, well, it's an hour and a half wait. Well, it's a 50 minute wait. Well, it's a whatever. By the time we went to all of them, we, if we just stayed at the first place and just waited, We'd have had a table. We just came home. That's all we did. It's like, we clearly need to learn to wait, but it's like 45 minutes. Who has time for that? It's not like we've been waiting all year or anything, you know, but waiting doesn't come naturally to a lot of us. So when we say, biblically speaking, God, we need to learn to wait on you. Teach us to wait on you. I'm choosing to wait on you. It doesn't always sound like a positive. And yet in God, it is a lifeline. I'm talking about more, less like, like sitting in a restaurant waiting for a table and more like Clem shared with me, um, Clem and Irene ha have cows and they had a baby calf and the calf decided he wanted to run off as soon as he was born and, you know, took off into the bush. And Clem's like, we got to find him quickly and bring him to his mom so he learns where his food comes from. And I thought, isn't that interesting? We're kind of like that. Sometimes we need to be taught. We need to get hauled out of the bush where we've gone to find our own way. And God needs to bring us back to the place to we find where our source is. Find where the lifeline is. This is what God's teaching us in this waiting and in this word. So we're going to lean into that this morning. So flip over with me to Psalm 37. And again, the whole thing is just awesome. Psalm 37, verse 3 to 8 is where we're going to lean in. And I'm just going to pray that this morning we all come home with a tool. So Lord, today we thank you that you are teaching us. 
You're teaching us what waiting looks like. You're teaching us what the good things of your kingdom are. You're teaching us how to apply the principles of heaven. And God, today, I thank you that you're teaching us how to wait. We thank you that it's not about a one-time thing, but it's a lifestyle of learning to be part of your plan, leaning into your presence, God, leaning into your word, leaning into your heart for us. And God, we believe that you are good. We declare it, we receive it, we walk in it. And God, today, I thank you that your goodness teaches us and instructs us today. And Lord, I thank you that for each one of us, we grab a tool, that we grab something that we can apply and we can live out of. And Lord, today, I thank you that you're changing us from glory to glory. And so we anticipate what it is that you're changing today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, Psalm 37, starting at verse three, we're gonna pick up there. And it says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way because the man of the... uh, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Ah, there's so much in here. And specifically, 12 things, 12 instructions. We're gonna get um, as we walk through this, and I hope you spent some time meditating on Psalm 37 earlier this week. Um, But you see by the end of it, you see what God's plan is, how he wants to release to us what his his good will is towards us, what his good plans are for our lives. He has a better plan for you than you do. Do you know that? No matter how high you dream, no matter how far you extend your, your wishes and your hopes and what you aspire to do and be, what God has planned for you is better than anything you can come up with on your own. It's shocking, but true. And it's amazing how many of us, especially I love talking to people who are a little bit older in life and older in the faith, who say, you know, they'll, they'll tell stories of, you know, this happened and we had to be, like we were forced to go this direction, but it turned out to be such a good thing. Never would have decided that for ourselves, but it turned out to be such a good thing. We shared for us um, in this past year, a couple years ago, we felt to move into a new shop space. And we really felt that the Lord had directed us to one particular place. It was like, this was the one. And they'd given us a really great rate for our lease, but it was a multi-year lease and we'd stepped into it. And very shortly after the market began to crash. And so uh, the oil prices went down, all of that stuff. So events that we were doing were cut in half. People just like shrunk them right down. And then right following that was COVID. And so for, um, you know, everybody's got their own point of view on, on how we walk through this. But for our uh, business, that end of things was absolutely shut down. It was like, we're giving no hope that this is going to open anytime soon. It's going to be at least six months, probably more like 18, um, that there will be no events. And so for us, it was like, and now we have this huge shop. We've got lease payments. We've got all this stuff. And, uh, and it was so hard. It was like, we thought we heard God. We thought God had led us into this. And like, now what? Now we're trapped in this thing. And you know, we don't want to default on anything. We want to be honorable. So we actually, um, right away last April, went to our landlords and asked if they would release us from the lease. And we're just like, we're going to get a couple storage lockers and we're just going to we're just going to lock her down for, for the year. We don't know what else to do. Um, but would you please release us from the lease? And they said to us, actually, the entire um, industrial park is emptying out. Like, it's, it's shutting down everybody. So if you would just stay on until we find somebody and just pay the utilities, that would actually help us out. So we're like, well, that buys us a little bit of time. That's, that's super awesome. We're grateful for that. And so um, we just... We just You know, for the first few months, we were like waiting. We had everything prepared in case they wanted to show the place and whatever. But literally shop after shop and space after space started emptying out. And our landlords just kept saying, you know, we're just happy if you can pay the rent or pay the the utilities. You know, at least the, the building is active and it looks good and it looks like there's life in there and whatever. And so, what, 14 months later, um, we suddenly get a call a couple weeks ago and they have lease the place and somebody has come in. And we just sat there and, and we're in shock in a really awesome way. Because literally, 
do you know anybody who's been tracking with our church stuff, God's given us about a two-week heads up before every major announcement has happened. So literally, it was two weeks before the step one announcement for the province, where they announced that events can start happening again. So two weeks prior, um, we got a little heads up that the cloud was moving, if you know what I mean. Cloud was moving, and it was time for us to pack up and go. And it was so incredible. We had such a good conversation with our landlords, and it turns out that they're believers, and uh, they they're just walking in obedience to the Lord. And they ended up getting a really, really great return um, of a new lease. The people that are coming into the building have blessed them. And so they've, they've just received what they have sown into our lives. And we, we had this revelation from the Lord that he, because we felt like we made this terrible decision. Here we have ended up in this space that now we can't, we can't afford, we can't be in. And God said, no, I'm providing for you. And the space would have been empty for the landlords anyway, but God has provided for them in return above and beyond. And so it's been this continuous cycle of blessing. And now we've been blessed with a new place that, that is open. Um, and by the time the first event started again, we were in the space, desks set up, everything ready to go and back into business again. That is God's provision, right? Like that's his faithfulness. Sometimes we look at God, you're, we, we want you to provide in the way that we want you to provide. And God's like, no, I got you covered. You need to trust. You need to choose to lean into me. You need to choose to wait on me. And so as we walk through this, this has been ongoingly for us. This has been the story of our lives. On repeat, I would love to say that we're smart enough to make good choices. And we probably are getting better as we're getting older. But um, more often, <laughs> yeah, more often, I think God just leads us and we're like, whoa, that happened, you know? And then we stumble into another, whoa, that was awesome. God is just faithful on repeat. He just is. We have to give him the time. We stay in the wait. And the wait isn't, see, now that we've moved into a new shop and the province is beginning to open and events are gonna happen this summer and stuff, we're not done waiting. Waiting is a daily experience that we have with God. It's not a wait for something to happen. It's wait on him. It's literally the definition is being twisted together with or bound together with him. We are wrapped together with him. We have learned. We are old enough now to have learned. Not only do we not know everything, but we don't even know most things. You know, I, I, I think when you're like 19, 20, you're like, oh, I've got it covered. I have a diploma on the wall. I know how to do life. Wait till you're 35. About then you're like, I know nothing. And now we know a little, you know, but God knows everything and he's leading us in these places. So as we walk through the last six points from last week, number one was trust in the Lord. So verse three, trust in the Lord, do good, dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. So trust in the Lord literally means it's the place of putting our confidence in. I put my confidence in God. It's to be sure, bold, secure. Trusting the Lord is a deliberate choice to lean on him. And here's the key, not what we can figure out on our own. Proverbs actually puts it together for us. Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I have no idea how this is gonna work out. Good, great opportunity to trust. Great, if you don't know how to do it, you're in an awesome opportunity. And I know that that sounds like, you know, so, you know, people, it's churchy. It's just, you're just, you're just like being casual about, it. no, literally, no matter how educated you are, how smart you are, how well invested you are, how well, life will still throw you curveball after curveball after curveball, and you're gonna be hooped if you don't know that you have to trust in the Lord. There will be times throughout all of your breathing time on this planet that you will have to lean on him and not your own understanding. That's not a churchy thing. It's the fact that he's faithful enough to be trusted. And so my confidence is in him. I'm not just being weird to say, well, I'm just gonna trust God. What I mean by that is I consciously step out of I have to fix it and consciously lean into my confidence is in you. How do you wanna proceed? right? It's a conscious choice, a conscious decision. Number two then is do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. Do the right stuff. James 2.17, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. 
So waiting on God is not just passivity. It's not sitting around just waiting on the Lord. Get off your rump and go do something. There's actually time to be active for God. We're not earning it. Yeah. We actually have to live life. We're not just sitting there on pause waiting for God to show up. He helps us in these activities as we're serving, as we do what is right. God's always working on our behalf. Spurgeon said, there is joy in holy activity, which drives away the rust of discontent. And it's so true, right? There is joy in holy activity, which drives away the rust of discontent. It's if we sit there by ourselves, I'm just waiting on the Lord at home, alone, doing nothing, starting to feel a little depressed. I don't know. Maybe God's forgotten. I mean, that's just in one morning. That, I mean, it, stay like that for a week or two and you're really messed up. And so God's like, no, be active. Do the things that I've told you to do. There's, there's some basic stuff that is just kingdom activity. We, we do have a divine, distinct destiny and calling. But in the meantime, there's just stuff that is the right thing to do. And serving others changes your perspective in a moment. Number three, then, dwell in the land. And to dwell means to live there, sow there, care about and be invested in that place that you have been planted. Actually be here. Actually live here. Actually care about the peace of the place and sow into the peace of the place that you've been planted. Number four, and we just sang this, feed on his faithfulness. Feed on his faithfulness. So this is what it says, dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. What do we focus on? What do we meditate on? What do we take in? What do we pursue? His faithfulness. The Passion Translation puts it this way. Fix your heart on the promises of God, and you will dwell in the land feasting on his faithfulness. Fix your heart on the promises of God, on who he is, on his character, on his nature, on what he's done, on the way he showed up, on the way he's provided, on the way he has supplied, on on who he is to you and in you and to those around you. Seriously, I guarantee you, if you pause and you look for where God has showed up in your life, even in this past year, you will admit you're a walking miracle. Every single one of us. You are a walking miracle. What a joy. Feast on that. Feed on that. You don't look at the places where maybe it's not how you want it to be, but you feast on the faithfulness of God in where it is. Which leads us to number five, which is delight yourself in the Lord. Two parts to that. Delight yourself, meaning it's on you, not on me. It is not on me to give you your happy pep up talk for the week, just so you know. I hope you are encouraged when you come to church, but you are called to delight yourself in the Lord. There is an an application for you, right? Yes. You're like, wow, I want my money back. (laughs) Seriously, delight yourself in the Lord. We decide to do it. Delight yourself, and I'm going to decide what I'm delighting in. So the second part is in the Lord. I'm going to decide that my life needs to be built on something. I'm excited about something. I'm, I am joyful about something. And I'm going to decide that it is in the Lord. Not in my career, not even in my family. God is always first. I delight myself in the Lord. And then I'm grateful for everything that comes out of that. Right? So it's this conscious choice. You choose your priorities and your pursuits. Basically is what that means. Choose your priorities and your pursuits. Number six is commit your way to the Lord. Proverbs 16, three, we talked about this last week. Commit your works to the Lord's and your thoughts will be established. Amplify, commit your works to the Lord. Submit and trust them wholly to him. And he will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will. And so shall your plans be established and succeed. So in that place of coming and agreeing with God, I'm spending time. This is all what waiting on him looks like. I'm coming into his presence and I begin to ask him what he has planned for my life. What do you you see in me? What have you placed in me? What do you want to do? And God, I'm committing myself to you. I'm putting myself in your hands. I want to live the life that you have for me. And when I let go of the grip just a little bit, I find out that his plans are better than mine. They truly are. So we want to commit. We want to come into that place of agreement. And so again, um, I mentioned it last week, but I believe that this season that we've been through for many has been about the reset. 
It has been, and, and in a good way, it, the reset of, there's been many times where we get sucked into self-pursuits, when we're, we're following the career path, we're following the busyness of life. I mean, I remember standing here just two years ago and being like, man, it seemed like every family I was talking to, I was like, how was your week? How are you doing? Oh, we're so busy. Doing what? Oh, the kids got gymnastics, they got hockey, we got this, we got that, we got a family gathering for this. And it was like, well, like, do you actually see each other at all? It's like, you know, people like saying, like, they're, they're literally just passing. It's like ships in the night. They're just, everybody's busy, work's going so good, but, you know, yeah, we're never home. That's not God's best plan for us. So as much as we're really excited that everybody's getting back to activity and doing things again, there is a time right now where I believe God is saying, you know, how much money do you really need? Do you need to work 90 hours a week? Do you, do you need to, you know, is it, is it time for you to step away and, and actually focus on the things that matter? You've got a limited time with your children. You've got a limited time to invest in your family. And as much as they say they want the latest iPhone and that's the stuff that they, what they really want is you. They really need you to be there. They really need the investment of life and time in them. They really need to hear your heart. And they, they would love to go camping. And even if it's in a tent, they don't really care if it's a trailer with all the pullouts and you got the biggest, baddest truck. They just want to spend time with you. I believe this year taught us that. I believe that being on the cusp of what if we die is actually a good question. Here's the reality we all woke up with this morning. What if we die? The word tells us we're not promised tomorrow. Literally today is what we have. What am I going to do with it? How am I going to live it? God has allowed us this time to be reconnected to his plan and to focus in on that. And now we're going to pick up with, with uh, point seven. So those who have the notes, you can add in now. Here we go. Trust him again. Verse five says, commit your way to the Lord, which we just covered. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. Trust also in him. Put your confidence in him. And here's the reality. There's only two commands in the 12 steps that get repeated. Both of them have to do with our thought life. This is one of them. Your trust, uh, the trust of your heart begins in your mind. It's a conscious choice. We decide what we trust in. We decide whether we're trusting in medicine. We decide whether we're trusting in the banking system. We decide whether we're trusting, you know, your zip lining. <laughs> You're deciding whether you trust that cable. You're deciding stuff all the time. You decide whether you are you're, you're trusting whether your vehicle is sound enough to be on the road. I mean, many of us have had vehicles at different times. You're out on a mountain road and you're like, yay, we're going to go see the mountains. And then you see, you know, the road conditions and you actually... Check your tires. I don't know if we should be doing this. I don't know. I don't know if we can do this right now. You know, we, we decide. It starts in our mind. And our mind needs a place to land. It needs a place of confidence. It's interesting how our minds actually naturally gravitate towards worry and stress. Have you noticed that? In fact, um, Dr. Caroline Leaf just did a, a teaching and she said that um, the math is 91.4%. I don't know how they know this. But 91.4% of the things that you worry about will never come to pass. 91.4 will never come to pass. But your mind, is, it's got a plan. It's got a, it's got a design by God. We know that the, the things of this earth have polluted a lot of the stuff that God has originally designed. But the design is that the stuff that's in your subconscious, so the things that you have experienced, the things that you see, the things that are going on around you, your mind will pull it to the front so that you can come up with a solution. So the things that you're worried about, it's either so that you can make sure that it doesn't happen or so that you have a plan if it does happen. So that's, that's the natural thing. But in the... In the um, you know, the broken mind that we have when we are in sin, in the fallen world, we let naturally lean towards our own understanding and we lean towards worrying. And so our mind will say, what if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? And we will, on repeat, process something that's a what if. It's a 91.4% chance it's never going to happen at all. And if in that little bit that it does happen, we've just worried about it so much that we have no solution. 
So we stay in that constant state of panic and worry leads to anxiety and anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. So there's this flow that is built in, but God has designed it so that we will choose him. The mind pulls it out of the subconscious. It comes to the the front so that we can actually process a solution so that something can come forward and we can come up with an answer. Uh, uh, We can can decide that we're going to trust God. We can decide that we're going to give it to him. We're supposed to take every thought captive and bring it into obedience to the knowledge of Christ. So we need to understand King David says this and he says it twice. Trust in him. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass he will do what is necessary he is going to move it goes on and it says he shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday what i think is really interesting here is that what begins in the mind moves to the heart And the heart begins to speak. It begins to, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we begin to speak life or death based on what's in our heart, starting with what's in our mind. So if we can take that thought captive and we bring it into obedience, what we're really saying is we bring it into obedience to the knowledge of Christ. I am choosing to allow God to reign over this situation. Does that make sense? I'm allowing God to be the king. He's the boss over this situation. God is in charge. Well, this is actually built right into this verse. It says then, verse six, he shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. What's really interesting about this is that righteousness and justice actually are how God's kingdom operate. It's the foundations of his throne. So Psalm 89, 14 and 15 Say, righteousness and justice are the foundations of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. They walk, O Lord, in the light of your countenance. It's saying that righteousness and justice are the foundations of your throne. You actually reign. There's something that happens when you are present, when you are reigning, that the outcome of this is that those who... uh, Mercy and truth go before your face. Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. They walk, O Lord, in the light of your countenance. What we instinctively in our human thinking buck against is anybody being the boss besides us. We're we're in charge. I'm the boss. How many three-year-old firstborn girls have you heard say, you're not the boss of me? I don't know if boys do it too, but having been a firstborn girl and having had a firstborn girl, I know that it's built right in. You're not the boss of me is this self-confidence. I mean, it's great. There's all kinds of leadership things in there, but even leaders need to be trained to submit, right? Leaders have a boss. And so the more we are submitted to the leadership of God, the more we're submitted to his rulership, the more we find out that righteousness and justice are the foundations of his throne. What does that mean? What is right and what is just? How many things do we choose to get bent about in life? What we think is not right and we think, what we think is unjust or unjust. If we submit to God and we're choosing to, to bow our will to his, we're choosing to trust in him, he actually causes those things to be made right. Most of us who have had any kind of visceral, this past year, after various announcements, after various public things, and it's like, how can people see it this way? On all sides, it really is about, we, we feel like there's injustice happening. We feel like there's unrighteousness that is being proclaimed. Well, really, just sitting on it and spewing about it doesn't do any good, but committing it to God does. We bring ourselves under submission to his rulership, and that is the very foundation of his throne. I honestly, when, when we heard the, um, the announcement about the residential school in, in uh, Kamloops there, I mean, sickening. I mean, it's, it's utterly sickening and pure evil and pure wrong. And yet there was another side of me that was like, finally, God, justice. Finally, God, like these things have to be, they have to be revealed. God is a God of justice and God will bring things to a right conclusion as, as long as we continue to wait upon him about this. Corey Ten Boom says this, and I, you've all heard this quote, but I love it. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. 
Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. And the more we know, know him, the more we can trust. I don't have to micromanage everything if I know he's got it. If I know I've placed it in his hands. If I know that he's in control, and he is. And then right following behind that, number eight is rest in the Lord. And so commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Rest in the Lord. The word there used as rest is to quiet oneself, to be silent, to cease, to be still. Just stop freaking out about everything. It's time to just stop. Some of us have been in so much turmoil this year. And frankly, if you've had kids in the public school system and it's on again, off again, on again, off again, you're public schooling, you're homeschooling, you're, it's all over the place. You know, the, you own a restaurant, you're open, you're not open, you're online, you're not, you're, we've, we've, been, we've been navigating like in this really jerky, un, unplanned, like it's, it's been stressful. I really believe in how we move forward from this point on. These 12 steps are a necessity for success. And so part of that is rest in the Lord. Not just rest, not just a nap, but rest in him. God, I'm just choosing to spend time with you. I'm just choosing to quiet myself. I'm choosing to stop the constant soundtrack that's going on in my mind. I'm choosing to be still. The word tells us to be still and know that he is God. Psalm 46, 10. In Isaiah 30, 15, there's this passage where God is calling uh, his people to a place of leaning back into him, letting him fight the battle on their behalf. And he says, in returning and rest, you shall be saved. Isaiah 30, 15. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength, but you would not. But you would not. And it goes on and it says, you said to yourself, we'll get fast horses and we'll run away from the enemy. And God's like, no, the, the horses will be faster than you. The enemy's horses will be faster. You said to yourself, we will do. But God's saying, in this place of quietness and confidence and trust, in returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. It's a choice. And right now, we have a choice. I feel really strongly these next few weeks are going to be very, very important we can't deny the fact, to be honest, I'm sure, um, I'm sure psychologists will look back five years from now, 10 years from now, and go, here was, a, here was an entire population that was traumatized. Honestly, I, I think we've gone through stuff that our minds can't handle. And so we, we're in this place of like survival mode. And there is going to be a place and a time when the other shoe drops, right? On the inside where, where the tenseness and we'll just get through, we'll just get through, we'll just get through has to land. Let it land on him. Seriously, find the time to be still and know that he is God. Lord, I thank you that I can just be in your presence. I can just, I don't have to perform before you. I'm just coming to be with you. And he heals and he restores. And, and I believe this is the time when honestly, if the body of Christ will do what God's asking us to do, we'll be the healthiest population and we'll be able to actually minister life like we're supposed to. We're actually gonna be able to release help and life to those around us. But all of us have been through trauma this year. So we rest in the Lord. Number nine, and wait patiently. Here we go. Wait patiently again. And the key here is the patiently. It's the attitude with which we wait. It's the decision that I'm going to just be still. I'm okay. I'm not restless. I'm not all the time. I'm choosing to just wait on God. I'm choosing to lean into him. I'm choosing to, to find out what he wants me to know, what he wants me to see, what he wants me to experience in this time. There's this interesting flow that happens when we wait. Now catch this. The wait reveals the why. It determines the when. And it establishes who. No, it determines who and it establishes when. It reveals the why. It determines who. And it establishes when. And so as we're moving forward, we need to know some of the whys. God's not going to reveal everything to you, but he is going to reveal to you as you ask him why uh, things have happened the way they have in your life. They're, you're going to find the things that he has, he has said, you know, this needed to be cut off and this needed to be added in. 
and this needed to be developed and this needs to be reshaped. And this is, this is some of the why of it. And time, waiting on him patiently is the only thing that's gonna reveal that kind of thing. It determines the who. Who's in charge? We find out where, where there are areas of our life. When we're waiting on God, we find out the areas where I'm actually in charge. God might even have 98% of me, but this 2%, that's mine. In this time, the, de- the waiting determines the who. Who actually has the say over my life? Who's directing my steps? Who's organizing the path before me? Who's providing, honestly? Who's supplying? Who's able to, to facilitate my health and to offer me life and hope and purpose? It's gotta be him. And so God begins to show us. Some of us, you know, there, there's so many people, I, I can't even tell you how many uh, messages I've gotten over the last while um, to inform me that COVID came from China. I'm aware. Nobody else needs to send me anything, I, you know, and so suddenly there's this revelation that the media have decided now that this, this thing has come out of Wuhan and what, and who's been in charge of my life this past year? Not China, God. I belong to the kingdom of heaven. I know whose I am. I know where I've been. I know where I'm going. And I, that's where I'm focused. That's where I'm leaning in. I need to know who holds the earth. Who keeps it spinning? Who decides that we have days and breath? Who decides, you know, who holds the heart of the king in his hand and turns it wherever he wishes? Who's the one ultimately on the throne forever and ever? At whose name will every single one of us bow, whether we've chosen to on this earth or not? His. His. Right? And so in the waiting, it brings us back to the God's in control. I can't do anything about it. I, I, can, I can write letters, and we should. I can sign petitions, and we should. I can, I can be part of marches, and maybe you want. But ultimately, it's him. He's in charge. And the who brings perspective to me. When I know that he's on the throne, I'm okay. And then it reminds me, and it teaches me. I've got the, the what, the, or, yeah, the why, the who, and the when. The timing of God is everything. The timing of God, it's like the timing on earth is finite, but the timing of God is eternal. And there are moments when the finite time matches up with the eternal time and God's purposes are divinely uh, unveiled and released. And we have to know that even though we might want things to be on a certain timetable, his time is perfect. If we get ahead of him, we fail. If we fall behind him, we fail. If we're with him, it's perfect. And and I love this verse in Psalm 105, 17 to 19, and it's talking about Joseph. And you remember the story, Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery. He ended up uh, in one house. He got falsely accused. He ended up in prison. He was there for a while. He, um, He interpreted a dream and he, you know, remember me to the king. He knew he was falsely in prison. He was hoping for an out didn't happen. He stayed there for another couple years. And in that period of time, God was doing something in him. In fact, if if we study it, we know that when uh, Joseph first interprets the first dream, and it's said, you know, I I heard that you can interpret dreams. He says, I can. God will show me uh, what you dreamed. The second time, two years later, I heard you can interpret dreams. Joseph goes, I can't, but God can. Something happened in him in that two-year period where he laid down self. I don't know what happened. I don't know what was necessary, but he was about to lead the the then uh, civilized world through a seven-year famine, and he needed to be fully dependent on God. He needed to know why he was on the throne. He needed to know why and who put him in position, and something about that two years was necessary. All we know is that he removes himself from the equation from the first time to the second time. And it says in Psalm 107, verse 17 to 19, he sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters and he was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him or proved him or purified him. The Lord sent ahead somebody to be there to save a nation and the nations of the world. 
I don't think most of us realize why God has put us where he's put us. It's for more than your survival. He's called you to be a light. He's called you to be salt. He's called you to make a difference. He's called you to be an ambassador of reconciliation. He's called you to bring healing. He's called you to minister joy and hope and peace. And the platform that you have right now is just about setting you up for the thing that's yet ahead of you. And right now, we need to know if it's hard and there hasn't been an opening and stuff seems delayed and we're not getting the breakthrough that we want. It is possible that the word of God is purified us, that the, the thing that he's spoken over us, it's, it's cleansing us, it's doing in us something so that when the time comes, we're ready for it. Last year, about this time, when, when the churches opened up again and it was like, you can just carry on pretty much as normal, I had this little sense in my heart, it's not done yet, because I didn't see enough change. And I felt that in my own life, in the, the lives of people around us, I felt like, you know, we are, it's, it's been too short. We are really quickly going back to life as normal. And life as normal has not been surrendered to God. Not as a nation, not as a province, not as a city. And for many of us in our own lives, God has called this extra year, I believe, has been a gift that God has been doing in us. He's been proving in us the things that need to be proved. He's been purifying in us the stuff that needs to be purified. He's been preparing us for what is ahead. He tells us to wait because there's something ahead. And if you look ahead in, in your uh, Bible, if you've got your hard copy with you, Psalm 37, it's very interesting because we, we hear here a couple times to wait upon the Lord. Verse nine, it says, for evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord shall inherit the earth. In other words, the plan, the thing of this earth that God has given you to inherit. See, I, I believe the inheritance, it's like a will. You know, when you read a will, that whoever wrote the will decides this person has this and this person gets that and this person has this. There is something of this earth that God has intended for you to steward. There's been something, there's a place, there's a, a people group, there's been something that he's, he's assigned to you. It's your, your bit to steward. Those who wait on the Lord actually figure out what it is you've got. Wouldn't it suck to live your life on a super, super tight budget and find out when you're 65 or something that you actually were an inheritor of a will that nobody was able to find you and it was actually bequeathed to you 30 years ago and you've done without? Wouldn't that suck? Some of you are like, oh, I hope that was me. <laughs> <laughs> is somebody looking for me? I think that's half the reason why a lot of people do that ancestor thing is that you're trying to find out if you actually are, you know, linked to some king somewhere, or some prince somewhere. But honestly, sometimes the stuff that God has for us, we don't actually lay hold of it because we don't wait long enough to find out what it is. For real. Leaning into him, waiting on him. So it says here, they shall inherit the earth. And then if we go to verse... Um, Verse 11, it says, but the meek shall inherit the earth. In other words, waiting develops meekness in us. Waiting develops meekness in us. Verse 22, those blessed by him shall inherit the earth. In other words, the waiting teaches us to know how blessed we are by God. Follow me here. This is so cool. It's on repeat as we wait in him. As we wait in him, we understand what it is he's called and planned for us to inherit. It develops meekness in us, which is it, it's strength under control, strength under submission. It doesn't mean that we're pathetic. Meekness is strength under control. And so we come under God's lordship. We come under his leadership. We find out how we are blessed. Verse um, 29 says, the righteous shall inherit the land. In other words, the waiting develops righteousness in our lives. The waiting helps refine out the junk that needs to go. And we inherit what it is that God has for us. And then verse 34 says, wait on the Lord. Keep his way and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. The waiting upon God brings the exalting that is in our hearts. Maybe we've got dreams. Maybe we've got things that it's like I'm waiting for an opportunity, an open door. Here's the answer. Wait on the Lord. Lean into him. And again, waiting, entwine yourself together with him. Picture those grapevine wreaths. It's like that. It's coming into agreement with him. I am bound together with him. I'm twisted together with him. 
And then number 10, we're waiting on him. We're waiting patiently. It says, do not fret. Wow. Okay, so now it's about my attitude in the same time here. Do not rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way. Because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. You can apply that yourself. I, I, think, I think this is big. If you're watching any political stuff globally right now, there is a temptation to be completely wrapped up in what seems to be so wrong. God's not blind. I'll just say that. So rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him. Do not fret. And so this word here literally means to grow warm, to blaze up, to be angry, to grieve, to be incensed, to burn, or to be displeased. In other words, don't sit there and let yourself get all fired up about something that you have no control over. It's not your business. It's not about you. You don't need to worry about, well, how, why do they seem to be succeeding at this? Why do they? What? It's not really your problem. As long as you're waiting on the Lord, you're resting in him, you're feasting on his faithfulness, you're doing good, you're dwelling in the land, you make a conscious decision not to fret. And this is one of the, the words that we get double instruction on. So trusting in God gets a double, fretting gets a double. What does that tell you? If you're trusting, you're not fretting. If you're fretting, you're not trusting. That was like a really good point. I almost feel like there should be a shout there, like a hallelujah. There's a, some of us need to really lay hold of that. Honestly, it's a big deal. If I'm fretting, I'm not trusting. If I'm trusting, I'm not fretting. If you feel yourself getting burnt up on the inside, go back to the source and apply it to the right place. Genesis 50, 20. This is what Joseph said. We read about his, his life, the God sending him ahead to Egypt. He says this. He's talking about his brothers who seem to have succeeded. His brothers sold him into slavery because they were jealous of him and he was annoying them. And he was wrongfully treated. He was lied about. I mean, sold into slavery when he was the favored son of his father, set to inherit it all. But when he actually sees his brother after time has gone on, he says, but as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. He's like, it's not actually about me and it's not actually about you. God had a bigger purpose in it and it's for the masses. God wanted something done so that I would be in position so that he could show himself strong. We just need to wait and not fret. It goes on there in verse 8, cease from anger and forsake wrath. And so there's a, there's a growth process here, fretting, anger, wrath. Anger means uh, it's in the face, it's rapid breathing, it's passion. Wrath is heat, poison, fury, rage. So there's this thing, if we are fretting long enough and we start to get angry, it moves from this thought place to you can see it on our face. It's like tangibly where our interactions with others have anger to the place where it moves into our heart and it begins to spew out death everywhere it goes. And so we have to very consciously choose to forsake it, cease from anger. So do not fret. Step one, cease from anger Stop it. Choose to stop it. You can. And forsake wrath means turn the opposite direction from it entirely. Do not be part of it. Anger is not actually a sin. Anger is a feeling. But anger then has to be surrendered to God. We take it and we deal with him about it. We don't just say, I'm not feeling it. I am feeling it. What do I do with it? It's God is anger. He's, he has anger as an emotion that's witnessed in the Bible, but it has a purpose. It has something that it's doing. And so we want to engage God with this. One of the interesting things is that root causes for anger, uh, the top three are frustration, which is unmet expectations. Frustration is one of the root causes of anger. And so if that's there, have, has somebody not met my expectations for them? Am I disappointed in somebody? Have I put my trust in somebody or something when I should have put my trust in you? Right? That's fair. The second thing is pain. Pain 
is a root cause of anger. And so when we're in pain, where should we go with it? The only one who can solve it completely is God. We don't ignore the pain, but if we sit on the pain and we allow it to move into anger, it's going to become this rage that comes out and it begins to cause harm. And the third thing is fear. Fear is the third major root cause of anger. And so fear also has to be submitted to God. It has to be brought back to the place where I trust you. I trust you. And as we're waiting on God, perfect love drives out fear. So that, that fear dissipates in his presence. It always, do you see what I'm saying here? Whether you're a new believer or you've known God for years, it always comes back to his presence. Always, every, every piece of it, everything that we think is wrong with the world, it always comes back to we need to spend time with him. So we cease anger and forsake wrath. And then number 12, again, it says, do not fret. So this whole passage here, some of us maybe need to highlight this in red, cease from anger and forsake wrath. And so this forsaking wrath, do not fret, it only causes harm. It only causes harm. Proverbs 4.23 in the NIV says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from us. Has anybody, let's just be honest, because I'd like to not feel alone this morning. Has anybody at some point in this past year felt like throwing a full-on temper tantrum? I'm in the right crowd. This is very good. More than one? Okay, good. All right, so we are choosing. I, I'm, I'm glad to know you're not all, you know perfectly sanctimonious and all of that stuff, but we get to choose our attitudes. We, have, we, can't, we can't really do anything about the stuff that comes at us, but we can choose to respond in a way that is righteous and good before the Lord, in a way that brings life, that brings hope. It's waiting upon him. So guard your heart for everything you do flows out of it. Now, Psalm 73 we're just going to flip over. So isn't this cool? Verse 37 and 73 is this really interesting answer. So we're going to jump over Psalm 73. I just love the Psalms because I feel like they're so real. It's like you can always find a Psalm that matches your mood, the place that you're in, and it will always bring you back to God, which is a very helpful thing. It doesn't just commiserate with you. But the whole thing, the whole verse, it's like it's talking about um, you know, the pain, verse three, I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Verse six, therefore pride serves as their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge with abundance and they have more than their heart could wish. He's having a day where <laughs> it feels like everybody who's wrong has everything that's right. And everything that's right has gone wrong. And it just feels like everything's upside down. And so there's this opportunity to fret, to be angry, to have wrath. There's this opportunity to have all these, these issues rise up on the inside. But then it says, um, verse 15, if I, had, if I had said, I will speak thus, behold, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. In other words, I'm looking at, man, if I'd have said what I thought, <laughs> if I'd have said what I thought, it would have crushed a generation. This is the priest of the Lord saying, if I'd have said what I thought, it wouldn't have been good. But I, I held back and it said, I didn't, know, I didn't know what to do with it. When I thought of this, how, how to understand it, it was too painful for me. Verse 17, until I went into the sanctuary of God and then I understood their end. Until I went to the sanctuary of God. And then you see things just turn. It's, you know, verse, from there it shifts on. Verse 25, whom have I in heaven but you? There is none upon the earth that I desire but you. My heart and flesh fall, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Then it just shifts things. He's like, I'm looking around me and it just seems so wrong. Why is everything so wrong? But then I went into the presence of God and I got a perspective shift and now I know you are everything I'm reminded that you are everything and this is the place that God is calling us to this place of active waiting so I want to encourage you with that 
This, these 12 points, these 12 steps, I believe it is possible, not just possible, but necessary as we move forward for us to be walking in peace. For us to be living from a place of peace. For us to be flourishing, to, for us to be operating in love and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. For the body of Christ to be obviously different in this hour. For us to experience the fullness of God and walk out of the fullness of God. But I'm telling you, it's not going to land on you like snow from the sky. It's going to be something you go in and mine out. It's the thing that we choose, we go after. And these are the things. God's very real with us. He knows how our hearts work. He knows how our minds work. He knows how we process. And he invites us. He gives us the choice, though, to come before him, to wait on him. To wait on him. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.victorygp.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.